Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. My name is James Johnson and I'm here with my co-host, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, we have a special guest in the studio today, Reverend Angela House. Hello, hello. <laughs> Angela's in the house. Yes. <laughs> How often do you hear that? Angela's in the house. You know, I've just started saying it. Like, <laughs> Angie's in the house. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, like it. We tried to get Nick to do stuff like that because his name is Houston. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, although really it's Houston. Right. Uh, but it's hard to get him to do anything. But anyway, enough about times past. Let's talk about times present god is doing a new thing god is doing a new thing yes. and angela we are so happy to have you here with us uh today um we are going to talk about um our ongoing series on the redemption of babel out of the lent devotional that we put together uh for this lent and this week we're talking about the city of jericho um some people don't know this but jericho is the oldest city in the world it's probably about ten thousand years old which is insane to think about um And uh, it appears in the Bible in both Testaments. It's all over the place. It's a pretty big, it's one of those cities uh, and stories from Scripture that that transcend Scripture itself and has kind of seeped its way into the secular imagination. So that if you say something as strong as Jericho, people know exactly what you're talking about, talking about big walls, right? Mm -hmm. And so it fits perfectly into our conversation about what it means for us as people uh, to build walls and build cities rather than to plant gardens of faith like God does. And so we're going to jump in. Something I did learn recently about Jericho is that there were actually two walls around the city. And Rahab lived probably inside the outer wall. And because there's, there's part of this passage that talks about, I know there, one of the, um, the translations has kind of funny language about where her house is. But so, I mean... It's not just a wall. It's a double wall. It's a double wall. That's wow. pretty intense. It's hard to get into. Yeah. <laughs> and you're mm-hmm. super special if you're way inside and you're only. Yeah. Mm, you're questionable if you have to live inside the wall. So the story that we dealt with this week um, talking about Jericho is is the story of Rahab. And um, she is one of the special people uh, of, of Scripture in the sense that she is uh, mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. She's one of only four women who are mentioned and one of two Gentiles who are mentioned. Uh, and that's a pretty big deal. Uh, and so she has a special place within not only the uh, story of Israel, but also the story of Christianity. She is she is uh, one of the direct ancestors of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, her story is pretty important. She gets encountered here in Joshua chapter 2 by two spies that... Uh, Joshua sends over to check out the city of Jericho and they go into Rahab's house and Rahab uh, just to give a kind of a survey a summary of the story Rahab hides the two spies and then the king of Jericho hears that there's two spies in town and so he comes in to see where they're at and she lies and says hey I don't they're not here they left I don't know where they went but if you run after them, maybe you can catch them and so the king leaves and then she makes a a deal with two spies she's like hey look I was nice to you guys maybe you guys would be nice to me and my family because I know you guys are coming Mm -hmm. and I know that God is God and uh, that we have no chance to win this so what do you guys say maybe maybe don't uh don't kill me and my family (laughs) and they're like sure sounds good 
Um, that's our story. Uh, that's the story that we're looking at uh, first this morning. You know, I love women. It's um, Women's History yes. Month. Yeah. And I think uh, Rahab was bold and courageous yes. as she looked out for her family. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I often think that here we are, or here she was with two spies, mm-hmm. uh, not sure what they would do to even her. Right. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I know what's coming, mm-hmm. but I want you to save me. You know, I know what the Lord is going to do, Yeah. but please look out for me and my family. And I think that um, these days we get afraid to say that, you yeah. know, uh, mm. you know, if we're all going to go, let's just all go at one time. You know, we're <laughs> yeah. not looking out for any family members, any R- friends. Right, we're yeah. just we're just here for the ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, I definitely agree with you that she is she is one of the she makes one of the more bold decisions and does something here that I think is incredibly courageous um, in the fact that she hides these spies from, I mean, it can, it, if we imagine the story going a different way, imagine that the king of Jericho shows up and says, hey, are they here? And she says, no. And then he's like, well, let me just look around, right? And then he finds <laughs> them. What happens to Rahab and her family then? Probably not anything good. Right. Yeah. Um, so we see this bold and courageous thing she does. Um, one of the things that strikes me about this thing that she does is that she does it before she makes the deal with the spies. So she does it without any kind of uh, assurances mm-hmm. that her kindness is going to be rewarded. Hmm. Mm. That's a good point. I never it's a thought step about of faith. That. It is. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we have here a woman who has a genuine, like she believes she she has faith. She's making a step of faith. She's she is not only saying that she believes, but she's doing something that that embodies her faith uh, in in Yahweh in God because she uses the name of God in this passage where she says um, in verse verse eight she says I know that the Lord Yahweh has given you this land uh, and that a great fear has fallen on us and so she she is much like everybody else in Jericho. There's this kind of growing anxiety this mm-hmm. fear that the this horde of israelites is about to enter into the land of canaan and they don't have as much confidence in these city walls that they've built as as maybe uh, we would expect them to and so she makes this deal based on a confession of faith so let's talk about this what does this look like for us today to step out in faith because i mean you hear that you hear that phrase or at least i've heard it but what is that what does that really look like I mean, I think that looks like a lot of things. It, it's stepping out of your comfort zone, mm. doing what is right uh, when you know it's going against the grain. That's what I should say. Okay. Yeah. I like um, and it's uh, being bold to to say, God, I trust you even when my peers, my friends are not going the way that I would like to go. It's um, just taking that leap uh, when everybody else is like, no, I wouldn't do it. Um, you go ahead and do it. And I feel like I feel like that as a woman, um, even for myself, it's step, taking a step of faith and being a, a minister or a pastor. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to school to be on TV. And so that's what all I wanted to do. And so when I told my friends and family, you know, I feel like God is calling me to ministry you know, they were looking at me like, mm, not you. <laughs> You're not the one. But it's 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 about, you know, um, 
going against the grain, uh, stepping out and trusting God in the midst of it all. And I think that's what Rahab does is uh, even in our lives today, um, we have to to stand up for something. You know, I was taught that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so I felt like she stood uh, for something for her and her family uh, against everything that she knew knew was wrong you know uh the king could have just came in and destroyed everything Mm -hmm. and she said you know god i know you have me she had to say something to herself um to trust that god would have her and her family in the midst of everything that was going on in jericho that's good this is maybe a little bit tangential but you remind me of something i've been thinking about lately is that god does not call us if and God does not call us when God calls us like right now in the moment. And it does, the circumstance doesn't really matter. You know, like I don't, I don't I'm, and maybe, you know, fight me on this if y'all think differently, but I don't think it's like, if you do this, then God will call you, oh, you yeah. know, or yeah. when you've gotten to this point, then God will call you, right. you know, God's no, I am calling you now mm-hmm. where, whatever this looks like now. And the circumstance doesn't really matter. One of the things that came up in Sunday school when we were talking about this passage is trying to understand how Rahab got to this point where she's able to make this, uh, where she's able to recognize maybe a calling of God here uh, and have this confession of faith. Like, where does her faith come from? And and some of the people in our class uh, were saying, well, obviously God must have come to her or an angel must have appeared to her. Now, that's not in the story. Um, but that that makes sense in the sense of like, maybe, maybe there was some work that God did to prepare her for this moment. Um, but I, I'd rather like to think about the fact that she, she has heard these stories of, of the people of Israel. She says in here, you know, um, after she says that a great fear has fallen on us, you know, we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what happened after that. We know you know, this, these stories that we've heard, you know, that Red Sea event happened 40 years before. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is a situation in which the stories of God's work in, in God's people becomes a witness and a testimony that has the ability to change people's hearts. Um, even somebody who, like Rahab, is a, a Gentile woman who has no reason to believe that God is going to have any kind of mercy or grace upon her, or that the people of Israel are going to have any kind of... Um, recognition of her um so i don't know what i guess my question for you guys is is um what do you think about that in the sense of like stories of god's work in people generating faith even in people who you wouldn't expect to have faith at all does that make sense that makes sense i mean when i think of her encounter and how she experienced god now i'm going to take a leap of faith in saying this let's go um so we know um that Rahab was considered to be a prostitute. That's, yeah, that's what the text tells us, right? That's what the text one of the, tells us. And, and let me just say real quick, like one of the few women who are actually labeled as a prostitute in Scripture that we think were a prostitute, because someone like Mary Magdalene, who is sometimes thought of being a prostitute, definitely probably not, right? In the <laughs> right. sense of like that was just added later in because whatever reasons, we'll say. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. Well, what I was going to say is, um, you know, we don't know what types of encounters she had with folks in mm-hmm. in Jericho. Yeah. Um, 
And so maybe someone told her uh, what the Lord was doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe she experienced God through others. Yeah. Because okay. I think sometimes we think, you know, an angel came. The Lord spoke directly to her, you know, right. in that big, loud, booming voice. But what if. Right. right <laughs> but what if she was. In, in the village or, mm-hmm. you know, doing something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was not yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she had an encounter with someone who 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 expressed to her what would happen and yeah. what was to come. And yeah. so I think sometimes we forget that as well. No, I think that's, that's right. That's really good. And Dr. Bill was talking about that on Sunday. We, we pray for healing. We pray for these things. And sometimes we forget that those, like the answered prayers come through other people. They don't come in the big booming voice or the sweeping miracle or the burning bush. Sometimes they do, but yeah. a lot of times we need to recognize that they can come through other people. And that's why we have to let God work through us because Sometimes you are the answer to someone else's prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And in right. fact, I think, and, and to go with both of those comments, um, I think in fact, that's how God, most of the time, if not always, that's how God works. Like we, if we're sitting around waiting for the booming voice of God or an angel to show up, then we're going to be sitting around for a while because oh, wow. generally God works through the ones that he created to be the image of God in the world, which is other people. And so um, being open to that, Right. And being able to hear that and let other people into uh, our lives like that, I think, is an important part of what it means to be a disciple. And in fact, I think from a metaphorical perspective, that's what this story is about when we're talking about these big city walls, double walls we just heard about mm-hmm. uh, of protection that Jericho has built. Um, those walls are there to make sure that the people that Jericho don't want in don't get in. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a protective kind of thing. We all have this, though. Like mm-hmm. we build these walls in our hearts sure. to protect us from the people that we don't want to come in. Oh, right? Come and, on, somebody. That's a word. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Right. And so what does it look like for us then as people who are. People who are trying very, you know, people who are trying to follow and be faithful to Jesus Christ. What does it look like for us to kind of make these walls come down, you know, for the walls of our hearts, just like the walls of Jericho came down and, and allow people into our hearts and into our lives that are actually agents of God that are, that are there to speak to us in ways that we were not expecting. Like Rahab didn't expect these two spies. Mm -hmm. And yet because she allows them into her, her, not only into the city, but into her home, you know, she is, she ends up being blessed by this. Her family does get saved when, when the walls of Jericho come down, mm-hmm. she is in fact the only, her and her family are the only ones who are saved in that, in that struggle. Um, and not only that, but they get incorporated into the people of God. They become part of the Israelite nation yeah. so much so that she becomes an ancestor of Jesus Christ himself. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a huge blessing on her and her family, right? Yeah. And there's a level of redemption there too, because, you know, you're talking about a prostitute, right? She's someone who is not on the top of the hierarchy in society. Mm -hmm. And so there is a level of redemption that comes there as being adopted into the family of God. Yeah. You know, she's saved from whatever was probably like debt servitude that she was in, you know, was her life kind of situation. And so she gets rescued from that through faith. Yeah. I think that we, our Friday story is the good Samaritan and we have some, We can find an answer to the question in that as well, right? What does it look like to pull your walls down and take care of someone else, right? You get the three people that pass by and they've got other things they're doing. I mean, you know, and 
maybe they're good things, right? They're yeah. going to do their priestly duties, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know? And then here comes this guy who's willing to stop yeah. and look down, look around him and pay attention to what someone else needs. And that's that's a wall coming down. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. It is. And especially in 2023, right? Yeah. Because we live in, I mean, in this community in Metro Atlanta, we live in so much fear. And yeah. so mm-hmm. how do we let our walls down so that we can see Christ in others? Yeah. Um, and so I think about that for my, my own self, you yeah. know, how do I um, allow my faith to be bigger than my fears. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's what Rahab did is she allowed her faith to outgrow or outrun or be bigger than yeah. her fears. That's exactly right. That's I think good. that's really good. How do, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good question. Like how do, how do we, how do we ensure that our faith is, is growing bigger or is bigger, stronger, faster, quicker than our fear? Uh, a good friend of mine told me once you know, you don't have to listen to every thought that comes in your head. And <laughs> which, I mean, you know, it sounds simple enough, but it was revel- revelatory to me at the time. And she always talked about them as thoughts, as the idea of a train or a bus, right? You don't have to get on that bus. You don't have to get on that train. Oh, yeah. Just say bye. Let it go on down the tracks. And, you know, as we're talking about what it means to uh, support a counseling center here at Northside, and Angela, you can speak a lot more to this. I think that is a helpful thing to think about is, you know, we are you, you have more control over your thoughts than you think you do. And it's important to realize that because we can the brain is so powerful. It's very imaginative. It can it can board a lot of trains and sometimes faith versus fear and granted it's not always this easy but sometimes I think it can look like saying you just have to stop yourself and you have to say okay I'm going to choose that that is that idea is scary and it's fearful and all right I'm going to acknowledge that but sometimes it just means not getting on that train and saying I'm going to get on the faith train instead I'm going to pick that instead and I think you're right. I think we have so much doubt in our thoughts and our minds and we allow uh, the world to overtake us on what we should think and how we should think. And instead of saying yes, um, oftentimes we say yes to everyone else or everything else but God. Yeah. And so that allows our our faith to to be hindered, uh, mm-hmm. to be put in a category um, Ooh, when we ex, ex, um, when we uh, spend time just uh, thinking about all the fears, everything that could go wrong. And so I think we do that a lot in our minds and our thoughts. And with us opening a counseling center here, people may be saying, well, is that a place for me? Yeah. Well, here at Northside, we always say mm-hmm. there There's is a, a place, place for you. Yes, we do. So we know that uh, God has a plan for you. And so, God, you've been saying no to counseling for years. You've been saying no to the trauma that you've been dealing with for years and God has said okay keep saying no to me I'm going to bring it right in your front door (laughs) and eventually you will learn to say yes to what Mm -hmm. I have planned for you and I think that's how God um works on our hearts and our minds as we say no for so long. And then God says, I'm going to put it directly in front of your face. I'm going to bring people that, uh, you feel like you can't trust. Um, to your um, in your your view and you're going to have to make a decision on yeah. what you want to do. Do you trust me enough? Uh, kind of like Rahab, you're going to have to make a decision. These are spies. OK, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Okay, mm-hmm. spies. I'm mm-hmm. making eyes at you already. <laughs> spies, I don't trust you. Right. You know, and yeah. let alone, I don't trust myself. And what are they doing in my house? Right. Yeah. But when I allow my faith to be bigger than my fears and trust God in the midst of it all, I can see that um, in the midst of the storm or in the midst of darkness, there's always a small glimpse of light yeah. and hope. That's and good. so I think we have to keep our trust and our faith and our hope in God and what God will do. I do think in light of, of the counseling center, I think, I think, I think, um, Dr. Bill did a great job of this on Sunday. He, he allowed some of his walls to come down Mm -hmm. uh, and spoke really on a personal level about, about how valuable uh, and important really it is to just to talk about what's going on in our lives. Um, and I think that is a huge wall that we see in the community around here. Uh, I think not just at Northside Church, but in Buckhead. And really, it's a human thing. It's not just necessarily yeah. related to this community, but it is pretty. The walls of this community are pretty tall uh, and pretty strong and mm. fairly thick. And so a lot of times we are afraid to let those walls come down because we don't want to know what's inside those walls too, uh, but also because we don't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be vulnerable. It's a word that we like to talk about around here. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's hard to sit in grief. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to sit in trauma, all these things, right? It's not, no one's saying that that's easy, but I mean, that's, you know, right? We're saying that's what the church is here for is to be able to do that. Yeah. You know? Right. And I think people need an opportunity uh, to be themselves. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I went to counseling and I'll say this really quickly. Um, My mother had had a brain aneurysm when I was in fifth grade. Uh, After she healed from that, she had pancreatic cancer. Um, You're not supposed to live through pancreatic cancer. And so um, as a fifth grader, I was wandering around with all these feelings. I was angry. Mm -hmm. I was worried if my mother was going to pass away uh, or die. Um, I I just didn't know how to cope. And so I was acting out in school, uh, doing things that. Mm, you should not be doing. Uh, But I, you know, my teacher gave me a lot of grace my fifth grade year. And then when I entered into sixth grade, I realized that my emotions were still taking over um, just my body and, and, and my mind. And so I was acting out Every weekend, we were driving down to Charleston, South Carolina, to the Medical University of South Carolina, so my mother could get uh, treatment for her cancer. And so my parents were were talking, and they said, you know, Angela really needs some help. She needs someone to talk to. Um, And that was the first time in sixth grade that I experienced even speaking to someone outside of my family Mm. and telling them what was going on in my mind, telling them that I was angry with God. You know, we went to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. God was supposed to be a good God. Mm -hmm. How could God allow something like this to happen to my family? And so um, that was my first counseling experience, and I have been going ever since, and yeah. I really like it. Yeah, It's good to have someone you can talk to who doesn't know you. <laughs> there is some value <laughs> in that, right? In that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can think of like the book of Job uh, as being one big counseling session, Ooh. <laughs> really, between Job and his friends try to help, but honestly, at the end of the day, they're pretty terrible. So, right. uh, yeah. That's and, mental health as yeah, well. With indeed. Job. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I think also, I mean, the other side of that is we this week we've we've really focused on Rahab, and um, and what this scenario looks like from her perspective. But if we think about it from the Israelites' perspective, uh, just for a minute, and think about the fact that sometimes we encounter walls, right? And so sometimes we encounter walls that that have to come down. Um, and the way that you were talking about your experience, um, Angela, just now, like people act out because things are going on, uh, you know, in their lives. And, and that, that doesn't just stop when you're in fifth or sixth grade, right? That's something that is continually, continually a part of our lives mm-hmm. um, moving forward. And so when we encounter difficult people or people who are being difficult, mm. uh, it, it may help us to kind of have the kind of grace that your teacher had, right? For, for you, for other people in the sense that like, uh, there are reasons why people act the way they do. And a lot of times those reasons are not even fully uh, in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. you know, and I think that's, that's the spirit of what we see in Jesus. When he encounters these people, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't just write everybody off. In fact, he gives everybody a chance through mm-hmm. dialogue, through conversation, through healing sometimes uh, right, yeah. to engage them and, and try to bring those walls down. When the Israelites encounter the walls of Jericho, it's not, they don't instantly come down. There's a process and something that has to happen, right? They walk around for like seven days Mm -hmm. and and they blow the trumpets and then God brings the walls down, not them. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to, you know, there's a process by which whether we're Rahab inside or whether we're the Israelites on the outside, there is a process by which the walls of our hearts come down. It's mm. not instantaneous. It's not something that happens by having a single prayer or, yeah. or doing a single thing, but rather by acknowledging that they're there and then figuring out how to bring them down. Something that somebody else said in Sunday school on Sunday was that there are basically two ways that God can deal with walls or that we can deal with walls. Either we can wait until something disastrous happens and the walls will come down because mm. that will happen for everybody eventually. The walls will come down in a violent way and went like they do in this story. Or you can do the work of taking down the walls brick by brick yourself mm-hmm. over time. Yeah, that's true. Wow. That spoke to my heart. Yeah, that's uh, that's Mark Lawson. Shout out Mark Lawson. Okay. Mark. <laughs> so. I think we see in our other story this week, the woman at the well, um, we see Jesus kind of, I don't know if disarming is the right word, but this woman, you know, and he's, he looks at her and he says, you know, I, I see you and I see your life and I still love you, which is, I mean, that's really powerful in itself. You know, I mean, she's had what, out of what is it? Five or six husbands. She's, she's, she's got a story. She's got some, she's got some background that she's dealing with. And Jesus says like, "I, I see that and I see you and I love you. And that's, that's really powerful. And that's what we're supposed to be to other people to be able to say, I see you. I see that, you know, if you're willing to show that whatever that pain is to me, I want to be able to see it and love you through that. Yeah. Because that's powerful stuff. You know, as a person who oversees our missions uh, here at Northside, it is interesting to say that I see Mm. you and I love you Um, because every day we drive around Atlanta and talk about keeping walls, Mm -hmm. doors, everything locked. We are those people who live in fear. We are those people who are afraid to be disciples and really tell other uh, children of God that they are seen, 
loved and known by God. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that just strikes me as being extremely interesting is because we all do it. We yeah. all keep those barriers up, whether mm-hmm. that's from another person yeah. um, that doesn't look like us, doesn't talk like us, smell like us, yeah. act yeah. like us. Um, it's that fear we have. Yeah. And, you know, when we were when we are born and we look at our small children, kids just love people. Yeah. Regardless of who they are. Yeah. And um, there comes a point in time when we teach our children to be afraid of something. That's yeah. true. And I think they learn that by watching us more mm-hmm. than by us just yes. telling them something. Mm-hmm. Like my yeah. daughter, Kiefer. Uh, maybe loves people a little bit too much. Like she'll go up to a stranger in the, I have to watch her all the time because she, she doesn't understand stranger danger. That's not a thing for her. Like she will go up to a stranger in the grocery store and just be like, hi, how are you today? You are beautiful. Like, blah, blah, blah. and she'll just start talking and you're like, okay, like this is awkward. Cause you're going to do this to everybody we meet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I do feel bad sometimes when I'm like, all right, look, just, let's just stick to us. Right. And let's just try to get the grocery shopping done and get out of here. Mm-hmm. And she wants to have a conversation with everybody she meets, but you're right. I mean, like she just has that heart where she sees somebody and she, and she engages with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that really honestly um, talks about what it means to see somebody. I'm glad mm-hmm. that you, you brought that up because yeah. you guys remember when you were, when we were kids, we were told uh, to, to uh, look at something with our eyes, not with our hands. Right. Right. Uh, and, and that's probably good advice overall, but that's not what we see when we talk about what Jesus saw at the mm-hmm. woman in the well, with mm-hmm. the woman at the well. Um, and it's not what we see in the story of the Good Samaritan either. Like to yeah. see somebody is to see them with your hands and to, with, and to see them right. with engagement, right? Right, right. It's not just seeing them, but it's seeing them and bringing them into your story, overcoming that fear, right. Angela, that I think you're talking about. Oh, and something else I think you've talked about, Angela, is... When we are thinking about, um, you know, being a well-resourced church in a very affluent area, what it means to help our brothers and sisters that are down the street that don't experience life the way that, you know, people in this particular community experience, what does it look like to not just throw what we have at them and run the other way, but to sit long enough with someone to say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. How can I help you? Not just, I feel like helping you this way. Let me just do that and then go back to my life. But can I stop long enough to get to know you to understand what it is that you need? I totally agree. I think that um, we we get confused maybe or we put our own thoughts on what they need. Yeah. Um, and we don't take time to really listen to people and hear their needs. You can hear someone say, oh, we need books for this particular ministry. Mm-hmm. But the actual need is we need you to come sit with children yeah. and help them read. Yeah. Because we know that in the state of Georgia, for some children, if they're not reading by third grade level, they are building prison systems yeah. and prisons in Forsyth County for these children to go to. Yeah. And so we have to sit down and really think about the need. What is someone trying to say to me that they can't fully articulate? Yeah. Um, what if I spend time with my brother or sister and just hear them yeah. and hear their perspective? And so um, I think that when Jesus uh, encounters this woman, he sees her fully as the person she is and who she will be. Mm. Because I, I think we are always people who are becoming. Yeah, um, that's good. And, and we can live in that. And so where we are now is 
not who we're going to be next year because God is continuing to grow us. But I feel like we live in a world where if it's not directly affecting us, then it's not our concern. And so we forget our brothers and sisters who uh, may be considered the least of these. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to piggyback on that, Angela, like this whole, I I love this idea that, that both of you have talked about with the fact that, um, you can hear a certain need, but until you really build a relationship with, with some folks that you don't really understand who they are and what they actually need. And that's really what you see at the, at the, with the woman at the well, because Jesus knows everything about her, mm-hmm. right? That's what we, we kind of pick up. In fact, she says that, come meet the guy who, who knows everything about me. Um, but it's not until he engages in an actual relationship with her, you know, that, that she begins to see what she actually needs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so it's that, it's that kind of, that's another kind of wall that comes down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and then, and then just like, I think just like Rahab, she, the Samaritan woman, right. Uh, not a Jewish woman, but a Samaritan woman goes back to her town and begins to witness and testify about what has, what has happened. And then Mm -hmm. they all want to be, have a piece of that too. Right. Um, so I, I love that idea that you have to, you have to build relationship and not just information or knowledge about people. Um, cause I do, I do think that's what we, we, we are very good at that. Like we have all the, we have the detailed, you know, stat sheet on, on certain people, but we don't know the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do that with everybody in our lives to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially when we look at our communities, we yeah. look, we classify people in oh, yeah. certain demographics and we just make assumptions and we have not gone out to build that relationship yeah. to get mm. to know that person. And that really hinders our growth and our faith and our trust in God because we make all these assumptions and it doesn't help who we are becoming or who God wants us to be. God, yeah. God calls us to be disciples, to go out to all the world. But we only want to go out to about mm-hmm. 10 people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. As, a, as a way of kind of uh, wrapping up our conversation, talking about building relationship, um, one of the things that we are doing here at Northside Church is, is this habitat build that we're in the midst of doing right now. Um, and, and part of that is building relationship with the, with the people that we're building homes for or helping to build homes for. Um, you are in the thick of that. You are uh, the, the, the person leading the charge on that. Do you, can you give us a, an update on how that's going right now and, and if there are still any needs right now? So we are on... This Saturday, we are gearing up for week number seven at Mm. Habitat. Um, We have eight weeks, and um, it's interesting to see the walls of this house come together. Um, Mm. It started as wood, uh, and I remember being with uh, Mason Uh hammering and uh, making faces all at the same time Uh because the work was so intense, and I felt like uh, we would never finish just building (laughs) the walls. And so with week two, you know, they put the walls up and um, it's now a home for someone and so the habitat bill overall is going well we always need volunteers we always hear that north side (laughs) need more volunteers to come out and serve in our community because it's not just about building Um, a Mm -hmm. lot of the skills I don't even have (laughs) it's about getting to know one another it's about knowing uh, who you go to church with and I think uh, regardless of 
the the background and who you are uh, and where you've come from, we're there for one common good, and that's to mm-hmm. work together. Yeah. That's to help Miss Teresa Johnson. And yeah. so, when you look about when you look at overall at this build, the walls are going up, and God is doing something new uh, in each of our lives. And I think sometimes we can go out and say, "Hey, I'm doing such a wonderful thing <laughs> to help someone." Right? Yeah. We say those things, um, and sometimes we tell our kids, "Go out there and get community service," and yeah. that's great. Uh, however, if you really take time to build a relationship with that future homeowner yeah. and you hear her story, you hear from the age of 22 that she has worked so hard just to have her own home. Yeah. You hear how she's lost her mother. Mm. You hear how her sister recently died in February from lupus and all of these obstacles that she has had to overcome. Yeah. Um, you will know that you're talking to a woman of God, yeah. a mm. woman who has gone through the storm and God is now going to give her something new, something yeah. big, something that she can call her own. When you hear uh, her words of, I am paying $1,700 in rent here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and knowing that that will drop to about eight or $900 a month because we are helping her with her home. Then you get to know her story. You get to build that relationship with her. And so that's what I can say. I come out every week. Some weeks I stay, some weeks I don't, but it's really about, you know, growing and, and working together for the common good. And that's the work of God. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to doing that to Saturday. So Mm-hmm. Uh, looking we'll forward to there. that. We're going to yes, be there. Yes, I'll see y'all. Okay. You know, it will be cold, by yes, the way. Yes, it will. One of the things, just uh, just to add on to what you just said, Angela, though, um, we it, getting to know who you go to church with, but the relationship building that happens not just with the home builder but with each other as we're out there. Um, I think we have a lot of walls that you know are between us sometimes, mm-hmm. too. And one of the things that I heard Dr. Bill say at one of our church council meetings a while back about our last build, which we did last year, was that um, there's so many different ways in which division and walls come up inside the church, but none of those seem to really matter when you're out on the service side and you're, and you're building the home. Yeah, like everything comes down while you're building the walls for this for this family. The walls inside your heart are coming down. Right, and I think there's something powerful about that. Like it just getting to work, doing the ministry, and and. St- it's when we have time to sit back and just talk about division, that division actually happens. Mm-hmm. But when we're out serving together. That's when we are united as one, mm. one church, right? Mm-hmm. I like that. And then that was a really something, an experience definitely that I shared last year and looking forward to yeah. this year as well. Yeah. www.northsideumc.org backslash habitat. <laughs> thank you. If you would like to get involved. <laughs> yes, We're indeed. out there this Saturday and next. Yes. Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fantastic. Thank you all so much. It's been a pleasure and a blessing. And uh, I just appreciate the time that we've had together with my facial expressions and all. (laughs) Elizabeth, thank you as well. And Northside Church and anyone who's listening to this podcast, thank you for joining us. And we will see you next week. Peace. Bye.